I'm glad y'all came back after lunch. I was afraid you might go take a nap. I got so tickled telling on Christina. Where is she? Oh, okay. Oh, back there. We were back in the back trying to wire me up, and um, she walks up to Heather with the clipboard, and she says, is this the session we're supposed to be done by 3.30? And I said, I got the hint. I got you. And apparently there's really no choice in the matter because Pastor Josh will come in here and kick me out. So I don't think we'll have any trouble um, making that happen today. Uh, this will be probably our shortest session, although I always manage to think of other things. I think sometimes that's the Holy Spirit, and I just try to let him have his way with that. Turn with me, if you would, over to Deuteronomy. We are also going to look at one passage in Acts, but if you would, go to Deuteronomy and just hold your place there. can't believe this thing is over. Seems like we just started. Isn't that how it always goes? Deuteronomy chapter 7 is where we're going to start, but we're going to look at, we'll be flipping back between 6, 7, and 8, um, so you can start there at chapter number 7. Um, we talked about how um, that treasured is our identity, but it is also an assignment. It determines our destiny. If treasured is an assignment, then I think we have to stop before we leave and examine whether or not we are living on mission for the assignment that we have been given as God's treasured people. So I want us to look at the why and then... Um, we're going to do a little bit of word study because that is, Heather mentioned to you that I have a website. It's not over the top amazing. I'm not saying that to uh, put it down. Um, it was just a, a platform I could use to try to get some material out to women. It's really based on the RU program that helped me so much, that taught me how to dissect and define a verse. It is a great study tool. I think every single Christian ought to be able to take the Bible and use a verse of Scripture to feed themselves. I think that is something that is missing in so many lives of Christian people that we feel like we can only be fed by other people. And so many times, rather than going to God and His Word, which has an answer for, there is not a problem on this earth you and I can have that He has not provided for in this book right here. But do you know what I think, and I was sharing this with Heather in my own personal experience and then also in talking with women. I think many times we go to someone else rather than to God. One, we don't know how to do it, which is a shame. And number two, maybe a little of both, we really are just wanting some attention or some pity instead of a solution. Nothing wrong. We've talked at length about community. 
There is a place for that. But do you know that at some point you need to be the one feeding someone else and teaching them how to use the Word of God? You can't always be the one getting the attention. That's not normal, okay? If you have a baby, and this happens sometimes, they just don't thrive and they just don't mature, but anybody can look and say, that is not the way it's supposed to be. You should not have to be spoon-feeding a 12-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 60-year-old. In real life or in the spiritual realm, we should be able to take the Word of God and get a word out of it from God Himself. That's when you get to know Him because you're like, huh, He spoke to me. It was me. Nobody had to tell me that. That's when it becomes personal. That's when, look, the first time this happened to me, I was in RU, and, um, and I asked him a question, and I cannot remember. Oh, I remember what it was. I, it was, I said, Lord, I don't know what to do first, because I've laid in the bed for three years, and I got fires burning all around me. And I don't know which one to put out first. I just, it was like playing whack-a-mole. I was just like putting this one out, and then this one would pop up, and... And I just, and I was, I really was just barely peeking my whole out, my head out the hole. So I just, I was like, I don't know what to do first. I'm so overwhelmed. And as I was doing my RU study, he gave me Matthew chapter 6, where it says, All right, Daniel, you want to know what to do first? Here it is. Seek ye first. Like, he, you want to talk about speaking directly to me, the Holy Spirit. When you say the Holy Spirit speaks to you, He gives you an understanding that you know it's just not your own. He, he, he helps you understand something. He brings that and He's like, this is the answer to that question you ask me. Here it is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things, they'll be added to you. In other words, you make your business about seeking me, not my hand, me. And I will provide all those things. I will put out your fires, I, either by giving you the strength to do so, the wisdom to do so, or just by taking care of it for you. I will do it. You seek, this is what you do first. You seek me first. Okay, you know why that's special to me? Because he gave it to me. That was a word. That was me learning how to take the meat of the word and feed it to myself. There is nothing that takes the place of that. Nothing. So we're going to learn a little bit about that. I invite you to visit my website. You can download um, the material so that you can... I would encourage you maybe with your small group or get a little accountability partner and print that off and do that and let me know when you do because I'll put your picture on my page of honor, my wall of honor. But I think that we have to ask ourselves, I don't know how I got off on all that, but uh, let's get back to our handout here. If it is an assignment, then we must ask ourselves if we are on mission to fulfilling that, um, the why of our identity. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. It tells us what the why is. It says in verse number 6, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because of you, 
because you were more, because you were the least. But he did it because he loves you. So he chose you for himself because when he thought of you, he said, I want a relationship with her. Not, I want to see her check off some boxes. Not, I want to see her be religious. I want her for myself. It's all about him. It's all about him. And I think sometimes we are like the people over in Acts chapter 17. Do you mind just holding your place in Deuteronomy and flipping over there to Acts real quick? I want to show you this. Sometimes I can just tell you, but just let you see this for yourself. Um, Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 22. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too religious. Do you ever think you would hear Paul say, you're too religious? He also, there's also a word that you could use there, superstitious. But you know, sometimes what we call religion, it really is superstition. Like, you know, if I, if I, I must have not done well on my speaking because I did not pray enough. Like we just reason things out and come up with these ideas like I guess I didn't get that job because I didn't pray enough or I didn't follow enough rules or whatever. You know what I mean? We 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 come up with these ideas that don't line up with the Bible with just our own logic. And he says you're just too superstitious, you're too religious. For as I passed by and I, I beheld the objects of your worship, I found an altar with the, this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. He said, you don't even know him. You don't know him. And you're, worship, you're trying to worship somebody you don't even know. And we get into all kinds of trouble. We get all kinds of crazy ideas when we're trying to do this thing without even him. Because it's all about him. But how many times, y'all, do we... Do you, do you know what I mean? Anybody with me on this? We're trying to worship. We don't even know him. It's all about him. He, he chose us for himself. You know what it's like to be chosen? You remember, if, you're, if you've been married, remember that time you kind of had the eyes for some little guy and you found out he had them for you too? And so it's nothing, I mean, you know when you got the eyes for somebody and they ain't got them? That hurts. That really hurts. I've been there. But when you find out, it's mutual. You know, God chose you. He's got eyes for you. He does. He wants you to be faithful to him. So he goes on to say in Acts chapter 17, he said, I'm going to declare unto you this God that you are worshiping without knowing. He said, God made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelling not in temples made with, with, um, made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything at all. You guys, I think I forgot to give you the blank, uh, the fill in the blank on that last session. He does, he's not looking for what you and I have to offer. He did not choose you because you were great. He said, we're the least. 
but he chose us because he loves us. And how many times, I wonder, are we trying to worship him without knowing him? Have any of you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Okay. Do y'all know what your love... Raise your hand if you know what your love language is. Okay. If you are married, raise your hand if you know what your spouse's is. Okay, that's important. Because let me tell you why. A little personal story here. My husband is a quality time. And so he, it just fills his cup if I will just sit and talk to him without my phone. That is his pet peeve. Well, my love language is acts of service. So, okay, who said amen? Okay, thank you, thank you. You understand where I'm coming from, okay. So, you wanna fill my cup, we're not gonna sit down and talk, that is wasting time. We can talk while we build them shelves in the garage to put all that junk on. But I was trying to love my husband through my love language. And he was trying to love me through his. And until we got all that figured out, we were kind of empty on the love tank thing, you know? Um, I mean, God's grace filled in the gaps of our stupidity. But it was rough there for a while. And I'm telling you that I think it's the same way in our relationship with God sometimes. Like, we're trying to love Him with our own ideas of what it should be, what He wants from us. Well, God would, God would be pleased with me. And I think sometimes we even forget about God altogether and we're just all about what people are thinking about us. I think sometimes it crosses that line. But we're doing all of these things and then we wonder why we're empty because we're not at all loving Him in His love language. What is his love language? Number one, it says in um, John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. God, we treasure God back through obedience. We treasure him through our obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now stick with me because it sounds contradictory, doesn't it? I said you don't love God by checking a box. And then I say, he says to keep my commandments. So it sounds like now we're, we got to follow all these rules. Stay with me, okay? I want to talk about the why first before I tell you, um, before I address what I just, that part of it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. This is why God wants us to obey him. It says in verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you might live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. First of all, he, is, he wants us to obey because he has something for us that we don't have to earn but so that we can enjoy it. You know, have you ever 
bought something, a surprise for your children or your grandchildren, and then y'all are out and about and they act a fool and you're like, look, I had this for you, but I'm going to have to give it to you another time because it would not be best for you right now for me to reward that behavior. That just would not be best for you. God has these things that he's talking about, them going in. Look at verse 2. He says, um, it talks about how the land which he swore, and it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep my commandments. And he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, and you didn't even know. Neither did your fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. The, your raiment did not grow old upon thee, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. That you should consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chastens you. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. He wants us to keep his commandments, not for his sake, for ours. Because he has this whole promised land. You know the promised land is it's a shadow. It's a, it's a, a picture of what the abundant life should look like on earth for the Christian. It's not heaven. It's, it's on earth. It's supposed to be for the Christian on earth. And so many of us are circling the wilderness over and over and over again because we're stubborn and we will not obey his commandments. And he's sitting here saying, I have the promised land for you. If you would just soften your neck and obey just do what you know. You know what is right. And something in you, I will never forget this. My pastor who's with Jesus now. And I'm so thankful to him. I'm so thankful for him and I'm so thankful to him. Because so much of the truth that transformed me, I learned from his teaching. He said to me one time, Danielle, you're like an airplane. And I thought of it when I was taken off. You go, you're rushing down the runway. And right at that last moment, there's a moment of commitment that a, a pilot has to take. And it's kind of scary. Y'all know when that thing starts to, that nose goes up, you know, we, we off the ground now. We are, we're not in control anymore. Um, so he said, you get to the end of that runway and you freak out and pull them brakes on and you never soar. You never soar. Surrender. Just surrender. Ladies, I beg you. He is calling for obedience for you. Whatever it is that you are holding on to is nothing as good as what he has for you if you will just obey. He wants not for you to earn it. It's already waiting on you. He wants you to obey so that you can enjoy it. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Just turn over one page. This chapter is called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A. Shema was the, um, it was the traditional Jewish prayer that's kind of the equivalent of today's um, 
Lord's Prayer, what we would use in the New Testament, the pattern of prayer. This was their, the Shema was their prayer um, in that day, in that culture, a traditional Jewish prayer. And this is found here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to start with verse 1. I'm going to read through um, a couple of verses here. Um, and it says this, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgment which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of your life, and that your days may pro be prolonged. Again, obey these commandments so I can give you what I have for you. And look at verse 3, it, the word here. The word here is Shema. And you're, I'm going to show you a video that explains it in just a minute. But let me read the rest of this. Shema, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with you, that you might increase mightily, as the Lord God of fathers hath promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thine God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And it goes on to talk about um, that it would be in your heart. You will teach your children. You're going to write it on your house. You're going to wear it on your body. That's how much he wanted them to treasure his commandments. Shema. I want to show you this video um, so that you can understand more about Shema. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. 
Now, there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. That's the Bible Project. Um, hey guys, thanks for watching thank the Bible Project. We hope this video was helpful. It's part of a... Okay. So there's a lot of great resources there. I encourage you to check out thebibleproject.com. You can learn a lot from them. They do word studies and all kinds of things. But I want to point out something that was said there. A lot of information, but here's the part I zoned in on. Focus on me. Pay attention to me. My husband says that when I'm sitting in the same room and he's talking and people think he doesn't talk, but he talks a lot. And it's always when I'm on my phone. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Maybe I'm on my phone too much. But he'll say, will you please listen to me? Will you please focus on me? In God's economy, in his love language, Shema is the expression of our relationship with him. It is not just us going through, doing things. It is us paying attention to him, making it all about him. Focus, listen, shema, shema me. Don't leave me. Don't go to those lovers. Stay, shema, focus. Love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your soul. Love me with all of your mind. Shema. It's all about relationship to him. It's all about love. You think when he says, keep my commandments, the first thing you think of is the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Have you ever met somebody that they only can talk about what they're against? They don't ever tell you what they're for? Like, I'm not for that, and I'm not for this, and I don't know, you want to wear no yoga pants, and, you ain't gonna, and all the things that you ain't supposed to do. And that's fine. I'm not picking on. I'm just saying that we all have our standards, but unless it's, you know, you, we can't push that on each other, and we, we make it so burdensome, we put rules on other people, and you guys might not do, that's something that in the South probably, but we do, we burden each other down sometimes with our expectations and our standards that God has given to us, not necessarily for us to hold over others. It's not about all of that, it's about pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. And you think it's about the, the commandments, but he says, here's my commandment. You say, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then I say, what is your commandments? And he said, love me. If you love me, keep my commandments. And my commandments are 
love me. Wow, don't we overcomplicate it. Man, it's just love me. That's all he is asking out of his treasured people is to treasure him back. That's all he's asking. And what I'm going to, I want to do really quickly, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but 195 times in the New Testament, Deuteronomy is quoted. It's almost like a New Testament book tucked away in the Old Testament. But I want us to look at the, the parallel verse to this in Matthew chapter 22. And I think it's on your handout. Is it printed out on the handout? Okay. It says... Jesus said unto them, you know, this is where the Pharisees were trying to t trick him into what's the most important commandment. If you're not familiar, go back and read that whole chapter. His response was this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. All the Ten Commandments, all the rule keeping, all of those things can be fulfilled by simply loving me and then loving your neighbor because I love them. That's all he's, that's the commandments. It all hinges on that. Well, here's the thing. I want to teach you how to dissect and define this verse. So if you have your phone, oh, I don't have mine. Um, okay, if you have your phone, bring it out. It's okay. I know I've done it enough. I can walk you through it without. Look on your phone. Y'all never probably hear anybody say that in a church service or anything, but I'm telling you, get out your phone and Google Strong's, like Strong's Concordance, Matthew 22. Strong's Concordance, Matthew 22, if you want to. If you don't, that's okay. You'll learn from what we're going to do here. Okay, if you're there, look up at me. You can get the app. I'm not going to ask you to download it. You can also Google it. I'm just going to give you the idea here. And there's other resources. Heather can point you to others. I use the Strong's Concordance because that's what I learned on. I promise I'm, I'm going to be done in time. <laughs> Christina, wherever you are. Okay. I'm going to start walking you through it. So when you pulled that up, did you see the little numbers in between the words? Strong's Concordance, Matthew 22. Raise your hand if you see numbers. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So I want you to click on the number that's beside heart. And it's going to take you to a different screen on this. It will not do that on the app, but on this it will take you to a different screen. You see that? If you're there, raise your hand. Uh, click on the number beside heart. I don't know what the number is because I'm not looking at it. If you know what the number is by heart, uh, call it out. 2588? All right, click on 2588. Right on, it's on the right side of the word heart. It's going to pull up a screen. If you see that screen, raise your hand. A few of you. And you can practice this later. I've got you a little, little form on there to kind of fill in. Okay. So you'll notice at the top a couple of things. One is the root word, cardia. I think is what it says, cardia. 
You can hear the word cardiac in there. That is the root word. Why is that important? Because that's the language that this was written in. And you can go down through there and you can find what exactly the word picture that's being painted with the word we've used in the translation of heart. So when, when the Bible was written and it said, you'll love the Lord with all of your heart, is he talking about that thing pumping inside of me? Or is he talking about what, I mean, like my, what, my, what is it? My feelings? What? So it goes on, look at the um, definition 2B1. It's like there's all kinds of options and you can read through all of those and all of it would give you a good understanding. But it tells you that what that word, what the idea it was that it's your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites. Now you see how that paints a picture? Now it's not just your heart, it's your passion. It's the appetites that you have. What do you have an appetite for? Entertainment all the time? Or God's Word? What is your appetite? And He says, you love me with that. That's a word picture there. And you can go on and you can do that. The word soul, you could go back to that original page and click on the number for soul and it's going to tell you that the root word is suke comes from our word psyche, or we get our word from that. It's a root word, the original language, the psyche. Much the same definition as the heart. The mind is called the dianoia. My mind annoys me a lot. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's a, the right application. But the mind, and it's referring to our understanding. And when you dissect it like that, and you put it back together, if I was to read that verse now, I would, this is what I would hear. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your thoughts, all of your passions, all of your desires, all of your appetites. You should love Him with your understanding. See how it's so, it's so easy to skim that verse because we know it. But when you dissect it and you define it, you get a whole new understanding. I want you to grasp it. Because the more you do that, the more your appetite for His Word is going to grow. And that is so important. That is so important. I wanted you to see there that when He says it's all about love. It's all about you loving me with every single thing that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to treasure God. We are going to have to obey. And then number two, if we're going to treasure him, we're going to treasure his word. Joshua, let me just read this to you. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We cannot, we cannot obey what we do not know. We cannot obey what we do not know. See, here is the thing, again, and we, this is why I'm drilling it in so hard, y'all, because 
We try to come up with these solutions on our own and we make big messes, not just for ourselves, but for our kids, for our family, for those around us, because we are trying to reason it out and we are not doing the basic things because we're not in the Word getting instruction and getting understanding. So we are not treasuring Him and we are not able to receive what He has for us because we are not putting ourselves in a position for ourselves to be blessed. But see all them people, and the, ch the children of Israel, you understand their kids were walking in that desert with them. Their kids were there with them. It's not just you. Your kids are following you. Don't you want them to follow you to the promised land? I do. Man. I want whatever, I'm like Beth Moore, I want whatever it is God has for me. I don't want to leave one single thing on this earth. I don't want to get to heaven, and I know I will. I'm sure of it. I don't want to get to heaven and him say, I had all this for you, but you, didn't have, you would not obey me. You just didn't believe me. Beth Moore also says this, and this is my testimony. If I had to give my testimony in two sentences, I would say this. The Son of God saved my soul, but the Word of God saved my mind. I was literally transformed by the renewing of my mind in the Word of God. His Word saved my mind. I want you to leave here with at least more curiosity about getting in the Word and doing Word study and equipping yourself to prepare a meal that you can feed yourself with and somebody else. That's discipleship. That's what we're called to. And I want you to leave here with that. Meditate in it day and night. Number three, if we're going to treasure God, we have to treasure what He treasures. We have to. What does God treasure? He treasures his church. And Pastor Josh is doing a series on that right now. The church is a body. You know, Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, had his own body in the flesh. But when he ascended, he put in place the church. And we are his hands and his feet now. And we are to be moving like him. We are to be a part of that. We are to be plugged in. We're not supposed to be some dead hand laying off by ourselves. That is creepy. <laughs> I mean, it's not healthy. A hand disconnected from the body is dead. It doesn't have life. It cannot move because it's not connected in. It's not possible to do this thing without the church, because God designed it and he sent his son to die for it. And if he treasures it, if for no other reason, I don't understand, I'm too busy, I don't feel like it. Well, so what, my friend? God treasures it, so do I. If God says it, I will do it. If we're going to treasure God, we treasure what he treasures, his glory I don't know if you've ever heard of Erwin Lutzer. He's a preacher. I love him. He's so, mm, he's so deep and so clear. He treasures his glory. And Pastor Lutzer was talking about, I call him pastor. He don't know me like Beth Moore don't know me. We're having this whole conversation at lunch. And I, I'm not advocating for Beth Moore. I love her. She's uh, always, in all the studies I've done of hers, it's always been very doctrinally sound. But I'm just saying, I've learned so much under her. And I went to one of her conferences. And 
And I was like, I'm here, Beth, I'm here. And she didn't even know that um, I was there and I figured she'd want to see me, but she did not. So, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But same with Erwin Lutzer, Pastor Lutzer. Um, he, would, he taught this whole series on the glory of God and how it gives meaning to everything because once we start living our life for God's glory, we can suffer and it's okay. We can go through things and as long as he is glorified. I know a family that um, the husband, they were at church and the husband had to leave and, and run to go home and when he was on his way back, he was tragically killed in a car accident. And the family's motto became... As long as you're glorified, it gives meaning to everything. I can go through the valley, and if I, I cooperate with him, he can make me a treasure that he can use to encourage someone else. Someone else can, I never want to be a speaker. I just want to be you. Up here, you can look and say, oh, we're the same, because we are. And then I want you to be able to see, if God can do something in her, he can do it in me. If she can do it, by the power of Christ and His grace, I can do it. The glory of God. It, it, I encourage you to take time to listen to that series. It's so, so good. And I learned, he said, I, I hope you wake up every morning and you say, God, glorify yourself at my expense today. I, I love to teach on the Shekinah glory during that time when the children of Israel were going through and he showed himself in the glory. You can't even see his full glory. You can't live through it. Can you imagine? Like a glimpse of his glory is worth everything. One day we're going to get to be full on in it and we won't die. We'll just worship him, his glory is something he treasures and we should treasure it. It should be what we live for every day, all about him. And if we're gonna treasure him, we have to treasure his gospel. You know that sometimes I believe that people think of the gospel as Christians, we think the gospel is for the unsaved. It's something that I should be telling the unsaved. Can I tell you something? The gospel is for the Christian. Because it's Christ, he's already done it. He is living in me. And I, my, my works would not save me from hell, nor will it allow me to live the Christ life. No one can do that except Christ in me. That is the gospel. See, we don't tell the good news anymore because it's not good news in our mind because it's religion and it's rule following and it's heavy. But that ain't the gospel. The gospel really is good news. I just spit on the front row, but it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> Never thought I'd be a spitting preacher. Like, kind of feel like a llama. No, a drama llama. The gospel. We should treasure it. We should live it out. We should be looking for someone that needs some good news and sharing it with them. And we should know why it's good news, right? Like, I think that's why we don't share it, is we really, like, people need good news right now, for real. There, this is a time of darkness in our world, and we are the light. We better be shining. We better be having something that seems like good news. Treasure his gospel. I want to close with this, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm sad that it's over. 
If you have your Bible, I would love it if you would turn to this passage. It's so, so important that you understand this as we leave here. Matthew chapter 24. I want to start in verse 6. And I'm going to read through 12. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they will kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended, and they shall betray one another and hate one another. If that does not describe the world we live in, specifically Facebook, I mean, people are so offended and betraying one another and hating one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12, get this. And because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. This idea, this command to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves is something we must protect. If there was ever a time where the world needs to see some people with some love, some real love, like we don't have to agree and I can still love you. This ain't the time, y'all, to let your love grow cold. And it would be easy because lawlessness is abounding and people are offended and people are betraying and people are hating. And it's so easy for us just by being in it to begin to withdraw and protect. And that is not what his treasured people are called. If we're going to tre be treasured by God and if we're going to treasure him back, we cannot let our love grow cold. We must love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind. And we must love our neighbor as ourself and protect it at all cost. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to come and share.